Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Bopping to that man, you go ahead and get into that. It's all right. My name is Ed Bly, and I am one of the associate pastors here at Mission Church. And it's just my privilege today to be able to fill in for Pastor Jerry. He typically takes January as a time to study for the next sermon series, and then also, as you heard today, as we prayed, he is heading down to Naples, Florida, uh, today for a Great Commission Collective board meeting. Pastor Jerry, we are just so fortunate to have him, aren't we? Man, just a man that just faithfully, faithfully prepares and, and just so effectively preaches God's Word. We're just so privileged to have him as our senior pastor. I know I'm home team, and I'm cheering for him, and I love that man. I know we love him and just appreciate him so much. And uh, just also appreciate his wife so much as well. Uh, Robin gets four boys out the door every Sunday morning. And they just all come in here. None of their buttons are like out of whack or anything. And uh, this couple is just such a gem. And we're just so privileged uh, to have them uh, here at Mission uh, Church. Speaking of gems, like that bumper, that, that is a gem right there, isn't it? Uh, when Pastor Jerry was up here sharing, when he preached two weeks ago, he was talking about things like uh, NES, Nintendo, and Excite. Uh, bike and full send and all those kind of things mixed up with Nintendo. Me, me, the old guy uh, on the staff, man, my, my mind went back to like Hot Wheels racers. I mean, that's what we had when I was a kid. We didn't have anything electronic, man. It was all Hot Wheels racers. It was plastic tracks that went down steps. And on the box of the Hot Wheels racers was this loop-de-loop. And I swear that was false advertising. <laughs> as many times as we set that loop-de-loop up and the rest of the track. I think it was like one out of every, like 349 times we got the thing to actually do the loop-de-loop and finish the rest of the track. And man, when we did, I thought we, we should have been off to like NASCAR. We were pit crew material at that point. But um, that was fun. And that bumper is great. Thank you to those who put that together. Well, um, turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning or open up your your Bible app to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're in our second week. We missed one last week, uh, but we're in a second week of a series called Sent. And Sent, over here on the wall, is an integral part of our mission statement here at Mission Church. Our mission statement, just to go over it again, is to make disciples who are loved, you see that when you come in, and who are sent to the glory of God. And so all that we do, all that we do is to bring God glory. Our pursuits, we have six pursuits. You see them when you come in. They're out here. They're marked 
in our lobby, and each of our pursuits are there to give us very practical, to give us very tangible ways to help us stay on track, to help us to fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And so each January, as a church, we take time to focus on one of those pursuits. And the pursuit this month, this year, that we're focusing on is courageous evangelism. Courageous evangelism. Last week, or two weeks ago, again, last week, or man, I'll get it right. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jerry uh, kicked the series off with a a message entitled, Sent to Serve Christ. And in that message, he included that we have been provided everything that we need to be sent. And two of those very critical components are power and authority. These, these were absolutely critical as he sent his disciples out into a world to minister to them. You are going to need power. Do no, me, do no mess is the word. That's the Greek word, and we get our word dynamite from that. Like we need dynamite power. And that is what Jesus Christ is imparting to us. We have been given both power, the ability to do something, and we've also been given authority. Like we've been given jurisdiction. We've been singing about authority today. So those two components are very important as our mind and our hearts get set for this series on courageous evangelism. Power and authority. We're going to need it. We're going to need it because the, uh, the statistics that Pastor Jerry shared a couple weeks ago, were, the trend lines were not all that positive when it came to trends like church attendance and the willingness or the ability of Christians and believers to share their faith. But guys and, and ladies, let me just share this again today. The message has not changed. The mission has not changed. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, again, says this, and Jesus came and said to them, again, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Well, this brings us to our message today, which which is entitled, Sent to Seek the Call. Sent to Seek the Call. About a week after I graduated from Lampeter Strasburg High School, right over here, go Pioneers, right? About a week after that, I left the friendly confines of Lancaster County and joined what we affectionately called Uncle Sam's Canoe Club, which was the Navy. And um, it was during that time that an organization called the Navigators had a significant impact in the spiritual journey that the Lord had me on. And so with that in mind, uh, inspiring stories about different soldiers and different sailors have always captivated my attention. One such particular soldier, or one particular story, involves a soldier by the name of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a young man who greatly desired to serve his country during World War II. 
there was a couple really unique things about Doss. He had a very, very deep conviction about serving God and loving God. He had a deep dependency upon his God, and he loved him very much. And he had a great conviction about fulfilling and living out the Ten Commandments. And there was two commandments that as he began his service in the army, that kind of got him in a lot of trouble. The first was this. The first was that he really wanted to fulfill the commandment of remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And Doss made a very big deal of this to his commanding officers. And he said, look, man, I want off each week to go and worship the Lord. The second commandment that kind of got him in some trouble was this. It was thou shalt not kill. Now, we could get into a, a lot of talking about that, but um, Doss's request to his commanding officers was, I, didn't, I don't want to carry a rifle. Okay, so, so I don't, you don't have to know a whole lot about the army, but that was one strike, two strikes. So Doss was, Doss was in, a, in a pretty strange place when it came to his commanding officers, and he received a lot of ridicule from his fellow soldiers. Well, Doss began to endear himself to his fellow soldiers. He became a medic. And Doss began to be able to help his soldiers by helping them out with their blisters. As they began to train and, and get involved in, in marching and walking and running, a lot of his soldiers picked up a lot of blisters, and, and Doss began to uh, be able to be used to help them out. And so he began to endear himself to his soldiers. But when it was time for, for his unit to hit the battlefield, there was two islands that were left in the Pacific to conquer. And one of those was Okinawa. And as they approached Okinawa, there was a very significant ridge of sorts. It was a cliff of sorts. It was called Hacksaw Ridge. So his unit had to not only scale this two, three hundred foot cliff, get to the top of that, and then take on their enemy. Well, as they approached and scaled that cliff, they got to the top of that, and they were met with heavy resistance. There was heavy casualties, and the unit was ordered to retreat. And they all did, except for one guy, Desmond Doss. And as a medic, he stayed up there, and what he did was he proceeded to run back out on the battlefield, bullets flying all around his head, without a rifle, and he proceeded to seek to find his fellow soldiers who were still alive, throw them up on his back, run back to the ridge, and he devised a way to lower them back down. He did this over 70 times, each time muttering under his breath, just one more. Oh, Lord, give me just one more. Well, they finally figured out who was at the top of this ridge. Who was at the top of this ridge who was lowering all these soldiers back down so that they could receive the medical care that they so desperately needed? And it was this once ridiculed, very weak, very weird type of guy named Desmond Doss. Well, Desmond, uh, his courage so inspired his fellow soldiers that they later would not go back up into battle unless Desmond was with them. Friends, Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss, a man's faith, a man's faith and total dependency in the God that he served prompted him and sent him 
to preserve life around him. Friends, it takes great faith to be sent, does it not? It takes faith to be sent. And that really begins to be our theme for the day today. It's our big idea, and that is this, that if we are going to live sent lives, if we are going to live sent lives in the world in which we live, you and me must be totally dependent upon God. Let me say that again, that if we are going to live sent lives, we must be totally dependent upon God. Okay, I'm going to need your help this time, all right? To live sent, we must be what? Totally dependent upon God. Yes. Well, let's look at the text. Let's look at the text. Luke 9, Luke chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. It says this, and he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. That's like two shirts. Don't even take an extra shirt. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Friends, let me give you just a little bit of context from the prior chapters. Jesus has called his disciples unto himself. Jesus has been the one, though. He's been the primary man who has been out in front doing the ministering. He is the one who's been healing the paralytic. He is the one who's been healing the withered hand. He's the one that's been doing the preaching, right? The Sermon on the Mount. He's the one that's been um, answering the questions. He's the one that's been casting out demons. But there's a shift here. There's a shift here in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is sending out his disciples. This is a huge transition now. He is empowering them to go out into the Galilean region to meet the practical, the physical, and the practical needs of those around him, of those around them. This is like their first internship. This is like, you've been watching me, now I want you to go out and do this. This is like if you're in the arts, this is like your first dress rehearsal, right? It's it's a whole different feel when we've kind of been walking around on the stage and sort of practicing. If you play sports, this is like your first scrimmage game. You're not practicing against your other teammates now. There's another team on the other side of the ball. You got your real uniform on. It's not the real season yet, but there's some very specific lessons here that Jesus is seeking to teach his disciples. These are some lessons. There's some spiritual lessons that they are going to use for the rest of their ministry in this context. Friends, they are going out with like the shirt on their back. And Jesus is telling them this, that you are going to need to depend upon me. You are going to have your faith stretched as you walk out. How else is your faith going to grow? You are going to need to trust me. That is the goal of this training. That is the goal of this training. The instructions that he would give his disciples, like later on in Luke chapter 22, are very different. 
They're very different. It is much more of like a game on tone. He says, hey, if you don't have a sword, go sell what you need to and get you one. It's a very different tone. It's a game on tone. But in this context, there's some very specific spiritual lessons that he is seeking to teach his disciples and to us. And so as we look for these spiritual lessons that we can apply to our lives, as we can look for them today, as we get to our first point today, that if we are going to live sent lives, we must faithfully rely on God. If you're a blank, blanker filler in her, there's your first blank. That we must faithfully rely on God. Let's remember what is in those verses again as we started out from verses 3 and 4. It says again, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bread, no money, not even an extra shirt. Like you sometimes think, is this guy setting him up for failure? Like if this was 2022, he'd say, okay, okay guys, bring it in. I'll take your cell phone. I'll take your wallet. I'll take your debit card. I'll take your credit card. I'll take your backpack. I don't even want you to have an extra shirt. You're going to be stinking, <laughs> right? When you get to the house that you're going to stay in, you're going to like it. Well, what if I don't like the cooking? What if I don't like the bed I'm in? That's not the point of your trip right now. That is not the point of your mission. The point of your mission is to stay focused on me. And so he took all the things around him out of the picture, and he says, it's you and me right now. It's you and me. And that's the lesson he is seeking to teach him here, that we are faithfully relying on God. And that's the lesson for us today. And so when it comes to, when it comes to courageous evangelism, what are a couple of things that we can do to impart those same things, right? What are some things that we can do to be faithfully relying on God? I'd like to give you three of them today. And they're going to be tied in to our first three pursuits. They're going to be tied into our loved pursuits. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's get started. Our first pursuit is fervent prayer. Okay, and so we're tying in together courageous evangelism and fervent prayer. Okay, let me just remind you again. Like fervent prayer, when we talk about fervent prayer, fervent means to the point of boiling. It means like hot. It means like there's a sense of urgency. Like there's a sense of, of a highly critical need that is being talked about here with God. Prayer means to call out. It means to call out something. Sometimes in scripture, we hear kind of an old word used, and it's called supplicate. And the word supplicate means to beg with great earnestness. And so as we, as we again, consider the subject of courageous evangelism, we tie that together with fervent prayer, like fervent prayer. And we just ask ourselves, as, as when Pastor Brett was leading us in worship today and, and, and calling upon us to say, okay, man, who in our life, who in our life needs the Lord? Who is on our hearts? Who is on our list that we are fervently crying out for that the Lord would intercede in their life, that the Lord would soften their very heart, that the Lord would take 
each and every circumstance of their day and tie it back to the presence of God, that God is at work, that there would be an awareness of God in their life. And just fervently crying out for each of those people to God to do a a reconciling work in their life. Friends, it takes faith to call people to faith. It takes faith to pray. We want to do things ourselves. We want to get our hands in there and get all, get all use our personality and whatever. But, but, the, but courageous evangelism is really an act of faith. We can't change hearts. And so it's, and so it's us desperately crying out to God to say, God, soften these hearts. Soften the hearts around us and use every last circumstance, use every last circumstance to be tapping, for them to be tapped on the shoulder and say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm here, I'm ready. I think the other thing that we're fervently crying out for is for God to open up doors, right? For God to to open up doors for us, that we would be able to, through the Holy Spirit's leading, that again, our faith would be stretched and that we would walk through them. Man, I was reminded of a situation that happened several years ago. And um, I was working for a company at the time. And uh, this individual was in my office. And um, uh, they were paying me some compliments, some things about our department. We're, we're just going well. So sometimes you hit that groove and things were just going well. And, and uh, there was a situation that involved a, a manager that, that worked with me, and, and there was just some things that were happening in her, in her life, and uh, just, just able to come alongside her and help her out and just kind of get her going in the right direction. And, and um, again, this person was just, just paying a compliment to me and saying, hey, your leadership, this and that. And, and I always tried to make it my habit that when that occurred, that that would be an opportunity to say, man, I just want to give God glory for that. That, that was not me. That is, that is the Lord working in my life. And that particular day, I sat there and I absorbed that, that compliment for, for me. And um, that individual left my office and, and I just felt this voice like this. This is like an audible voice uh, that said, uh, you, you need to call them back and tell them the truth. And I said, oh, no, no, no. And that voice came back and it said, oh, yes, yes, yes. And so my hand basically shaking. I re- reach and pick up my phone and I go, hey, could you come back down to my office for a minute? I need to tell you something. And they said, oh, sure, no problem. Sure, no problem. And, and I proceeded to tell them. I said, friend, look, man, I really appreciate what you shared with me. But I just need to tell you that my life has been changed by my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's changed my life. He set me on a new course. And if there's any good thing within me, it is, it is his working that out in my life. And, and I just wanted to share that with you. And, and I wish that I could tell you that that person's life just, just dramatically changed and that that was just a great moment. They kind of looked at me a little bit strange and said, can I leave now? And I said, yes. <laughs> but But... You know, that was just these moments where you just need, we, we, we just need, by God's grace, to just be faithfully relying on him in that moment and to, be, and to just be, be recalling, Lord, what are you doing in this moment? Are you speaking? And is it time for me to speak on behalf of you? T- 
total dependency, total dependency on our God. For me, that's what that moment was. It's like, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I do not want to do this, right? But I do want to represent you. And sometimes we just have to rely on him for those first couple words. Lord, just give me those first couple words. Well, we talked about fervent prayer. Secondly, I want to talk about biblical preaching, right? That's, that's our second one, biblical preaching. And I know, I know you're saying, well, like, hey, maybe I get a pass here, right? I'm not coming up there and preaching like in this context. Well, not exactly, but, but the Word of God is so important, and, and the Lord uses it to ignite faith in others. And, and, and we do not need to be biblical scholars. We don't need to be theologians. But we do need, we do need some proficiency with the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. Hearing through the Word of Christ. So we need to have some representation, we need to have some basic presentation that says, okay, man, I need to be able to communicate with someone when the Lord opens up that opportunity that, that, that we would have the scriptures ready to, pa- to help someone and to lead someone from, from spiritual death on this side to spiritual life on this side. What is, a, what is a basic presentation that I could impart to someone to help them in that? Well, let me offer you one that's, that's like ABC. Okay, it's, it's just, it's, it's fairly simple, but it's effective. And the first, the A stands for admit, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Usually people, we don't have to convince people too much of that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's A. B is believe. B is believe. And that's from Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death that there's a there's a separation sin equals death but the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ our lord and so the, here is the idea of belief belief is not simply belief is not simply just just lining up your head with facts okay it's not just lining up our head and saying, I can agree to that. It's taking a step of faith to say, I believe that. Like, I'm putting my faith in that. Like, like I know that this, this uh, little stand here, this little stage area here, has got four legs under it, but I've now put my faith in these four legs, right? And, and there's the difference between just agreeing that Jesus Christ has died on a cross and he, and he rose from the dead, but now I have now put my faith in that. I have put my faith in him. I'm not trusting myself anymore. I'm not trusting myself for what I've done, but I fully put my faith in who Christ is. So there's admit, there's believe, and then there's see. There's confess. And so that, that brings up the idea that, that, that there needs to be a response. So we've admitted a need. We're now believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, but then there needs to be a response that's C, confess. We get that from like Romans 10, 9, and 10. Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess, if you confess with your mouth, again, there's got to be a response. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So these are the tenets of the gospel, that you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe. There's the idea of believe again. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. When you're justified, you are now made right. 
You are seen not guilty in the eyes of God. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So those three verses, those three ideas linked together can be used to help bring someone from a state of spiritual death to a state of spiritual life. Uh, when I was, I, I mentioned the navigators earlier, and uh, when I was with them many years ago, um, uh, at the core of the navigators' ministry is evangelism, and that's just one of the things they're, 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 uh, that we really stressed upon. And and um, and so on on the military bases, where some of the ones that I served at, man, they, we would go out and uh, in groups of two, we were sent out, right, and and uh, we were we were asked to walk up to perfectly good strangers. Soldiers, sailors, marines, and, and strike up a conversation with them and look for an opportunity to turn that to a spiritual conversation and use a, a, um, a tool similar to ABC to share, share the gospel with them. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe about half the time we were, we were successful in being able to do that. But what it really did is just give us, it gave us practice. It gave us practice in being able to share our faith. And you certainly don't have to go, go to that level to be able to practice to share your faith. Find a trusted friend who can give you some pe- feedback, who can maybe answer some questions for you or ask you some questions just to get some proficiency in that, just to get comfortable uh, with that. But again, as we talk about God's Word, as we talk about God's Word, I just want to keep coming back to this today, that this whole process takes faith. Think about that. This takes faith. It takes faith to believe God to change hearts. It takes faith. And you might be saying, well, yeah, yeah, but this book, it's 2022. This book was written a couple thousand years ago. Are you saying, are you saying that this book is what we need for salvation, that this book is what we need for today? And I'm saying yes, emphatically yes. Psalm 19 says this, the, the, the law of the Lord is perfect. 2 Timothy 3 says, says God's word is sufficient. It is complete for everything that we need. But it takes faith. It takes faith. Well, we've talked a little bit about fervent prayer. We've talked about biblical preaching and sharing God's word. Let's talk for a few minutes about passionate worship. You're like, man, what is, how does passionate worship fit into this? Passionate worship. Let me, let me share with you just kind of a, kind of a layman, kind of like my own definition of, of passionate worship and how this fits in. Passionate worship is the enthusiastic engagement, enthusiastic engagement, the focusing of our hearts that is set on lifting high the name of Jesus and bringing God glory. Let me say that again. The enthusiastic engagement and the focusing of our hearts that is set on lifting high the name of Jesus and bringing God glory just for who He is. A lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of worship does this, my friends. A lifestyle of worship is able to get our eyes up and off of ourselves. A lifestyle of worship gets our eyes and up off of ourselves and creates a dependency on the abiding presence of Christ. 
And that's why passionate worship becomes so important, even in courageous evangelism. It creates a tie. It creates a dependency on Jesus Christ. Without passionate worship, we increase the risk of becoming inwardly focused in our lives. We, be, we run the risk of becoming inwardly focused. And what I like to say, and I am so guilty of this because I do this a lot, we get all up in our heads. Okay? That means like we get ourselves all wrapped around the axle about stuff in life. <laughs> all right? Present company included. All right? I'm like the chief of this one, right? We can get all up in our heads. But passionate worship, passionate worship keeps the focus off of ourselves and on who God is and what he means to us. You know, I think sometimes as we worship the Lord, we all got to get to a little bit of a point of who cares. We all got to come to a little bit of the point of, you know what, I need to stop worrying about what other people think of me. That, God's word said, is a snare. We all just need a little dose of who cares. I'm not saying no guidelines on that one, okay? I'm not saying, like, totally rip the governor off of that one. But we all need a little element of who cares. To where, as, as, as Pastor Jerry shared the verse a couple weeks ago, that we become fools for Christ, and I don't think we can become fools for Christ if passionate worship is not an integral part of our life. Our lives are worship. Like everything we do in life is worship. Our work is a worship. As we trust God, as we trust God and are asking Him to change people's lives around us, that is an act of worship. Faith is an act of worship. When we step out in faith. Hebrews tells us this, that it's impossible, it is absolutely impossible to please God without faith. And so in this whole process of of courageous evangelism, as we continue to look at this, this is an act of faith. This is an act of stepping out on God's promises and saying, trust me. He's saying, trust me in this. Friends, the more we love Jesus, The more we love Jesus, the more we will want to share him. If we were to put ourselves back into the the shoes, the sandals, if you will, (laughs) of of the disciples, that had to be a freaky moment for them. As, As the Lord was calling them together and he was imparting them, with power and authority for them to go out for the first time to be to be asked the questions, to confront the people, to begin to meet their spiritual and physical means. That had to be pretty overwhelming. Well, how did that experience go? How did that experience go? Luke's gospel is 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 so good to give us a little insight into how that experience went. Luke 22:35 says this and he said to them when i sent you out he Luke 22 towards the end of his ministry okay things are winding up and he wanted to remind them of something and he said he asked them this he goes back he says and he said to them when i sent you out with no money bag he's referring back to Luke chapter 9 right when i sent you out with no money bag no knapsack no sandals did you lack anything And what was their response? Nothing. 
nothing. Friends, once again, it requires faith to call people to faith. And I'm standing here today in faith, in faith, standing here before you saying that there is nothing that you and I are going to lack when we faithfully rely on God in this pursuit of courageous evangelism. Well, that brings us to our second point. Brings us to our second point in focusing on what it takes to be sent. What does it take to be sent? What does it take to fully rely upon God? What does it take? The second thing is to focus on those the Lord is calling. Again, if you're filling in blanks, there it is. To focus on those the Lord is calling. Well, this, this, this point then refers to the second two verses. Let me just review them with you real quickly. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Okay? So shake the dust off of your feet. This was kind of a Jewish custom. They would be living in their homeland they would depart from their homeland, leave to like a Gentile area. They uh, felt and believed that that dust was defiled, right? The grounds, the land was defiled. And so when they would then come back into their homeland, they'd uh, take their sandal off, bang the dust off, and come back into their homeland, right? That's kind of the picture. That was the practice of the Jews. But what is Jesus saying? How is Jesus using this imagery in the life of his disciples? He's saying this, that people are going to reject the message. They've rejected me. I am sure the disciples were rejected, right? But he's saying this to us today. He's saying, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. They're rejecting me, not you. They're rejecting me, not you. God is not calling them at this time. Remember, this is an act of faith. We're trusting God. He's the one doing the work in their life. God is not calling them at this time. What are we called to do in this context? Keep praying. Keep moving. And look for the next open door. God is saying, keep praying, keep moving, and look for the next open door. Well, what else can we do? What else can we do uh, to practically uh, meet the needs of those around us, to seek out those who are being called? What can we do in our lives? I have three things for you. The first one is this, number one, to fix or to rearrange our priorities. What do I mean by that? To fix or rearrange our priorities. That if we are going to focus on those the Lord is calling, we may need, we may need to just make some adjustments in our lives. We may need to make some adjustments in our lives. We may need to create some additional margin to be building relationships with those who the Lord may be calling. And like, I, I know, like, like sometimes our lives just get really busy. Like, man, I'm just trying to survive right now. And you're up here saying, make some additional room in, in your schedule for people. And, and yeah, I, I know, I know life is busy. There is lots of demands on them. 
There's lots of demands, and I am not trying to guilt trip people today, but I am just trying to say, hey, there are people around us who need Jesus. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I think in this context, Jesus, if you look at Matthew 6, uh, 33, if you look back, like the prior seven or eight verses, interestingly enough, he, he's talking about fear and worry and anxiety. He's talking about some things like fear, worry, and anxiety. And then he gets down to this verse, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that will be given to you as well. So what are you saying? If I do this, all my fear, worry, and anxiety will be gone? No. I'm not saying that. You did not hear that. All right? But what I am saying is that perhaps we just need to adjust some things in our life. That, 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 that if we were to draw a circle in our life, could we honestly put Jesus Christ right at the center of it? Because if we do, then we've got to go, okay, what is really, really, really important to the Lord? And the lost are really important to the Lord. And so maybe we just need to adjust our priorities, adjust our calendar maybe just a little bit to make room to make some room for people that need the Lord, to make room and to say, okay, I'm just going to take some extra time to pray. I'm just going to take some extra time to pray and to begin to create some margin in this way. All right? So we begin to fix our priorities a little bit. We begin to rearrange our priorities. Secondly, we fish for people. So we fix our priorities and then we're fishing for people. And we get this from Matthew 4.19 and he says, and he said to them, follow me, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so in this passage, Jesus is saying, follow me, man. Man, may, may your life be similar to what mine is. And he's calling us, I think, here to again, live intentionally, to live on mission, to live a life that is beyond ourselves that begins to say, okay, what are the needs again of those around me so that I can begin to meet those needs? You know, in, in fishing, I am no fisherman, but I know that you've got to have a line in the water. <laughs> I know that my wife would say, <laughs> keen sense of the obvious there, Eddie. Good job on that one, bro. You've got to have a line in the water. And, and, and according to one of the statistics Pastor Jerry shared two weeks ago, that about a third of us as, as believers don't have friends that, that aren't Christians. And so, so maybe we just need to look, maybe we just need to look for a way to get a line in the water. Well, what else, what else could we do here? In fishing, it's really important that we know our surroundings. And so, so maybe we're just, we're just watching and we're analyzing and we're studying and we're saying, okay, man, what are some needs in the lives of the people around me that maybe I could meet? How could I offer them? How could I offer myself to pray for them? What's going on in their life and how can I support them? And, and are they giving me entry? Are they giving me passport into their life? And so we're just becoming students of people around us. Why? Because we care for them. We love them. And we're saying, Lord, how could you use me in their life? And so again, just understanding our surroundings is, is hugely important. It's, it's that way in fishing, is it not? I have a brother-in-law. I have a brother-in-law who is like an expert fisherman. They don't call him the rod father for nothing. He is really good. 
He lives in the Harpers Ferry area, and he takes people on fishing tours on the Potomac River. Okay? This guy studies the river as close as anybody I know. He knows water temperature. He knows which fish are spawning and when. He knows how to present bait, he calls it. You don't just throw a meal in front of somebody. You present the bait. What are you talking about? You present the bait. This guy will get into a discussion with you on monofilament lines and fluorocarbon fishing lines. You name it, this guy knows it. He knows fly fishing. He can tie a fly for his fly rod faster than I can tie my shoes. But the thing that I'm trying to tell you is he knows his surroundings, and that's part of what fishing is. That's part of what being a fisher for men is, is to just understand and know our surroundings and saying, God, how can I be used in this situation? And just becoming very aware of that. But still, but still, even though I believe the Lord is giving us minds to understand this, even though I believe the Lord can, 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 can use our deductive reasoning in the lives of those around us, it still comes down, the process of courageous evangelism still comes down to this, trust me. It still comes down to this, trust me. We are not the ones changing hearts. Trust me, he says. Trust me in this. If you don't remember anything else today, trust me in this process. Well, that leads us to a third thing. Under the point of focusing on those the Lord is calling. And that's the word favor. So we've talked about fixing our priorities or rearranging our priorities, fishing for people. And now there's this word favor. Favor. What do you mean by that? It's the favor of the Lord. It's the grace of the Lord. Well, how is that used in courageous evangelism? Well, let me share that with you. We're going to need a, a passage to help us understand this spiritual principle. And we get that from John 16 seven through eight. And it reads like this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is important, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so again, Jesus is is nearing the end of his earthly ministry and he's, and he's gathered his disciples up and he's teaching them a lot of different things. And one of the most very important things he is teaching his disciples is the role of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And particularly as they are making this journey from being crossed over from death to life. And he focuses in on these three things. He's focusing in on, on you know what? I am showing my favor I am showing my grace when these three things are showing up in people's lives, in sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me just briefly explain them to you, right? What are these terms again and what are we looking for? Because as we understand this, as we understand this, we are getting a glimpse into the life of someone, like, like are they ripe? Are they ripe for the gospel? Are they ripe fruit or are they unripe right now? Like we all know what fruit looks like when it's ripe and unripe. We have a bunch of bananas on our counter at home. They are green as green can be. I ain't touching those things. You try to peel that thing off, it ain't coming off. You need a knife to surgically get it. And if you get a knife and get in there, that thing tastes nasty. 
Okay? So we're talking about ripe and unripe fruit here, and the Lord is giving us some indicators through sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin. Is there beginning to be an increased sensitivity to sin in their lives? Secondly, righteousness. Is there a growing desire to live differently? To be open to the idea of making some changes in their life. And thirdly, is judgment. Judgment? Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Favor? Grace? Judgment? Those things don't go in the same sentence. Let me show you quickly. Right? An awareness that I won't live forever. Maybe some people around me, maybe some people around them have passed away. What happened to them? I, 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 I mean their souls. What will happen to me? Uh, I am going to die someday. Will, will my life have really mattered? Is heaven and hell for real? And what if the Bible is true? Do you see that when we begin to grapple with those questions that the Lord is ripening, that the Lord is ripening people unto himself and that, and that in that process, he is showing them favor. He is showing them favor. But sometimes when we begin to ask questions and we get denied, or we've asked people to church and they say, no, can I pray for you? No. Would you be open to this discussion? No. It's okay. That's where the shaking of the dust of the feet come in. Don't get discouraged. They are not ripe fruit yet. They're not ready yet. It's not that you did something wrong. It's that their heart is not ready yet. And I think that there can be great encouragement to us in that thought today. We didn't fail because they said no. No, you did okay because you were faithful. But the Lord has to ripen that fruit. The Lord has to ripen that fruit. And that's why this is such a call to faith today. That we must be totally dependent on God. That we must be totally dependent upon God. So what do we do? We shake the dust off of our feet. Do we forget about them? Absolutely not. We continue though. We continue in witnessing and looking for opportunities to share the gospel with others. Do we, do we move on in our relationship and forget them? No, absolutely not. We continue to pray for them. We continue to look, though, for additional opportunities. Again, God is saying, trust me. Trust me. We don't want the task of changing people's hearts. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And that's why, again, prayer. That's why trust. That's why faith. That's why just total dependency upon God is so important in this pursuit of courageous evangelism. You know, as um, we were thinking about this message and thinking about um, this whole process of courageous evangelism and, and thinking about the Lord and just looking back at life a little bit, I um, thought about, thought about the, the ministry of Angel Tree. And um, that was a, a ministry that some of you may have known about it or you may have heard of it, but um, when our family lived in Texas, there, there was just a huge need for this. They could not get nearly enough people. And the, and the idea behind Angel Tree is this, that 
that you have a person and they're incarcerated and they have some kids or somebody, some people left behind and you go and you purchase gifts. You purchase gifts on behalf of that person. You bring them to their home or wherever they live and you present them to them on behalf of the person and then you're looking for that opportunity to share the gospel. You're saying, hey, hey, these are gifts. They are free and there's also a free gift that I would like to tell you about. Okay, and you're just looking for that open door that the Lord would open up. And man, we did this for years as a family. We went out and bought gifts, and I worked for a soft pretzel company at the time. So I bring in all these gifts. I bring in this big old bag of soft pretzels, and I probably wasn't smart because they were looking at the gifts. They were selling. They were smelling these soft pretzels, and they were not listening to me. <laughs> so maybe I did need to adjust my approach just a little bit. But we did this year after year, and and finally. Finally, one year, um, um, I said, we were talking to the people from industry. I said, we want four families. We want four families. I was like, hey, more fish, more lines in the water, more, more opportunities to reach someone. And, and uh, the fourth family, we had one, two, three, and then the fourth group, like, they, they were like, well, that thing, that situation uh, didn't work out. And... Um, uh, I was like, okay. Um, and I called him back and said, we really want a fourth family. He said, all right, we'll try to get you one. day later, <clears throat> I don't know if you heard me, but we really want a fourth family. Now, if you know me, this is not me. I'm pretty much the easy come, easy go, okay, whatever. But I was like a bulldog finally. <laughs> and I was like, we want a fourth family. I don't think you heard me. I wasn't that tone, but you know. And so finally, on like the 23rd of December, a fourth family shows up. And so we go out and we deliver our gifts. And, and finally, this fourth family, um, we will de de deliver the gifts. And, and um, man, the Lord just worked it out that, that man, man our, our hearts were just uh, kind of sewn together. And uh, they just became a part of our life. And uh, they, they accepted some invitations to come to church and man, they just eventually became believers. And, and, um, but it just kind of made me think of this process that, that the Lord is, is just calling us to just keep moving, shake the dust off of our feet, and do our best to be faithful. Do our best to be faithful. Cry out to the Lord. Sometimes we got to like, like be determined. Sometimes we got to show that determination that we're not going to give up that we just got to keep trying, that God is calling us to be faithful in this process and to trust Him, to trust Him, to trust Him for the results, but that our hearts would be so tied in. It would be so tied in. Back to like Desmond Doss, his, his heart was so tied in to saying, is there just one more? Is there just one more? His heart was so tied into saying, man, I don't want to leave that, that person out on the battlefield. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't know what's going to happen in that prison camp. But he was thinking about their future. And I think that's what God is calling us today. God is saying, hey, what about their future? And he's just maybe tugging on our hearts. And You know, today, maybe, maybe you're here and maybe you're that fourth family. Maybe... Maybe God has been kind of knocking at the door of your heart. 
you know, maybe God had, maybe if you were really honest, you'd be saying, yeah, man, there's some surroundings in my life. There's some events in my life that, wow, if I was really honest, the, 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 the Lord is at work. And man, to you today, I would say, again, the favor and the grace of the Lord is on your side. We shared those three things, admit, admit, believe, and confess. And maybe that's for you today, that it's time to just admit to believe, to like jump down and to put your faith in Christ today and to confess that. Friends, if that's you, the grace and the favor of the Lord is on your side. And that can be really exciting. Like the only thing the angels stop doing in heaven, the only th time they ever stop worship is to do what? To rejoice when co someone comes to Christ. It'd be okay if they took intermission today. And, and, and maybe, today, maybe today you're saying, okay, you know what? I've been a follower of Christ. I've been a follower of Christ. But it's time for me today to say, okay, man, I want to take a step towards being sent. I want to take some incremental steps toward being sent. And man, if that's you, I believe that's totally exciting. That is absolutely exciting. That, again, the grace and the favor of the Lord is on your side. And I think God is just calling us all to just take, hey, let's just take this one step forward. Let's take one step forward today. You may be here today, and you're like, you know what? I just got a lot of stinking dust on my feet. <laughs> I just got a lot of dust on my shoes. And quite frankly, if you were to ask me about all this, I'm a little discouraged. And, and for you today, friends, the grace and favor of the Lord is on your side. Today is a reminder that we just need to be faithful. God is the one who changes the hearts. God is the one who works the heart. God is the one who opens doors. God is the one who ripens the fruit. It's not us. He is just calling, to be, calling us to be faithful. He is calling us to trust Him today. So let's knock the dust off of our feet, okay? He can pick us back up. He can encourage us. The grace and favor of the Lord is on our side. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We come to you, God, just in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful that your grace, that your favor, that your goodness, that your kindness is all over us. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. We pray. I just take this moment to pray. If you're on, watching online, you're here this morning and you just never trusted Christ would today be the day of salvation for you God for each heart that is here you know what's going on you know the needs of their heart you know what is happening Lord would you encourage each of us individually you're that great of a God that you know the individual thoughts and minds of our hearts you know where we're coming from you know what we need Lord, would you encourage us today by your grace and through your grace. It's not, it's not gumption. It's not willpower. We want to go forward because our lives are overflowing with the love and grace of God. That is the, aim, that is the power of courageous evangelism. It's a life that is overflowing with grace and favor of the Lord. God, would you please do that? God, would you do that? Would you move us forward? Would you encourage the one who's discouraged today? And for others, who are near, for others who are here who just need a special touch from you, a touch from your grace, we just need encouragement today in our life. God, would you be with that person today? Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.